A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheep that is spread over all nations. He, He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks Thanks to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, She knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. 
This morning, as we celebrate the wonderful feast of all saints and prepare to have uh, baptisms uh, as part of this service, I thought this morning I should preach about everyone's favorite topic, the election. That's a much better response than I got at 8 o'clock, so thank you. (laughs) But I want to preach about the election in the context of baptisms, which we celebrate today. As some of you know, I grew up, uh, lifelong Episcopalian, grew up at St. Mark's Cathedral in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, And I grew up uh, in a church environment in which I learned and was taught that... that, uh, We don't talk about politics or money in polite society. We don't talk about those things at church. And growing up where I did, I grew up in a context in which there were only two kinds of people, Mormons and Democrats. (laughs) It's actually true, but... So everyone in church pretty much already agreed with each other, and you still weren't supposed to talk about politics and money. And we have this notion of no politics in church. Politics are supposed to stay at the door, and we're not supposed to talk about politics in church. And I've struggled with that notion throughout my life in the church. And it occurs to me that that statement about no politics in church is a statement of privilege. You have to have a certain amount of privilege, as I do, to be able to say the concerns of the world get a stop at the door of this building. And in here, we just talk about God. But the rest of the world, we don't have to bring in here, and we we don't have that. It's also a way of saying... I don't want to hear anything I might disagree with in church. But Jesus spends a lot of time saying things we might disagree with. And finally, saying no politics in church is really a political statement, not a religious statement, right? Religion has always been involved in politics. In this country, we enjoy a separation of church and state. But that is not a prohibition against the church addressing politics and political issues. I'm becoming a fan of a movement in the church that I think is gaining some popularity. And I heard it referred to as the nonpartisan pulpit. The nonpartisan pulpit. The notion is that we can engage in politics in the church without necessarily engaging in partisan, party-driven politics. It is not appropriate, in my view, or in the view of the notion of the nonpartisan pulpit, for the church to be endorsing individual candidates for political positions regardless of their party. It is, of course, appropriate for the church to take a stance on political issues, not candidates, 
but on issues within reason. Just in the last couple days, I have heard stories about Roman Catholic bishops in parts of our country who are requiring all of their clergy to read letters to their congregations today outlining Catholic doctrine and telling their parishioners that in order to follow Catholic doctrine, they may not vote for any candidate or political program that is against Catholic doctrine. And that any Catholic in these dioceses, these bishops have said, any Catholic who does vote for a candidate or any political uh, measure that is against Catholic doctrine risks imperiling their soul and going to hell. Now I have to say, in my mind, that is an abuse of religious authority. And I hope those bishops get a call from the IRS. So how do we approach the election as Christians, regardless of our political party or affiliation or leanings? I think we find the answer in the baptismal covenant, which we will all reaffirm as part of the service today. At the end of the baptismal covenant are the statements, the questions, will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? The baptismal covenant is a call to civic engagement. Those lines call us to engage in the political life of our society. To live into our baptism, we must be political. Not partisan, but political. And I believe that we have a moral obligation as Christians and as citizens to vote. You may say in a certain part of the ballot, you know, I don't like any of these candidates. Well, so don't vote for any of them. But there's a lot of things on that ballot. And as Christians, we have an obligation to vote and to exercise the privileges that we have. Our baptism does not call us to a particular political affiliation, right? We're not baptized to be Democrats or Independents or Republicans. But our baptism does call us to approach the election from the perspective of our vows in the baptismal covenant. To seek and serve Christ in all persons and to love our neighbor as ourself. To strive for justice and peace among all people and to respect the dignity of every human being. You have to be political to live that out. And that means when we vote, we ask ourselves, Not only what is best for me, but what will serve my neighbor? What will best serve justice 
and peace. It means as followers of Jesus that when we vote, we ask ourselves, what will serve the poor? We can disagree on what will best serve the poor. But just to ask that question in the voting that we do is an important step in following Jesus to say what will best serve the poor. In the gospel today, we hear the wonderful story of the raising of Lazarus, this story of new life. It is a story of Jesus giving life and freedom. And the gospel ends with that wonderful line, unbind him and let him go. A message of freedom. Unbind him. As Christians, we are in the business of unbinding people. And our voting should reflect that. May God bless all of us as we vote. May God bless all of us on the lifelong journey of living into our baptismal covenant and vows. I ask you to join me in the prayer for an election on page 822 in the Red Book of Common Prayer. We will say together prayer number 24 for an election, remembering also all of us in California as we vote on ballot measures and propositions. Together let us pray. Almighty God, to whom we must account for all our powers and privileges, guide the people of the United States in the election of officials and representatives that by faithful administration and wise laws, the rights of all may be protected and our nation be enabled to fulfill your purposes. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.